0: Well, over the weekend, the Greeks went to the polls and they voted no. No, uh, they were not willing to accept the bailout. Of course, they actually want a bailout. They just don't want to accept the conditions that make the bailout possible. And what a lot of the people were voting for, of course, is they're hoping that by voting no and turning down the bailout, or the strings, rather, that are attached to the bailout, that they will be able to be offered a another bailout with fewer strings, right? A bailout that's more to their liking. I, you know, use the example I think on my last podcast of your girlfriend breaking up with you, and then you deciding to vote on whether or not you would accept uh, the breakup. It's not really up to you. If you get dumped, you just have to deal with it. And the Greeks basically were offered that ultimatum: either you accept these terms, or or you're dumped. And and they're hoping to get a better deal. Maybe it's like you go back to your girlfriend after she dumps you. She says, look, I've decided not to accept this. We're still dating, but maybe we can see each other just less often. Maybe not as much as we were. That, that's not what Europe is, is basically offering. It's if you want to stay in the Eurozone, if you want this extra money then this is what needs to be done. And they calling that austerity, right? The, the, the sacrifices that the Europeans are asking the Greeks to make is the austerity that apparently the Greeks are voting against, right? They've had enough. They're fed up. You listen to the news. The Greek people are telling Europe, no more, no more austerity, right? This is a vote against austerity. Well, you know, who likes austerity, right? Nobody wants to vote for that. But the reality is that the Greeks have no choice but to accept austerity the irony of it is that the austerity is going to be more austere as a result of their voting no given the greek government and what they're likely to do if greece is kicked out of the euro and needs to issue drachma because austerity has to do with cuts to government pensions, for example, if you're going to get a thousand euros and I'm just making numbers up, the real numbers are, but let's say you've been promised a thousand euros a month in some kind of a pension and the Greeks don't want to have that reduced to 900 euros or whatever. Or if your pension wasn't going to start was supposed to start when you're 63, and now it's not going to start until you're 65, right? They don't want to accept this austerity. They don't want to have reductions in the benefits that they've been promised. But here's the reality. If they're no longer part of the euro, then their government can't pay the pensions in euros anyway. The pensions will be paid in drachma. Now, what is that going to be worth? The reality is, if the Greeks go back to the drachma, and pay their workers, their government employees or their retired government workers, if they convert those euro contracts into drachmas, because that's what's going to happen. All the contracts are going to get rewritten. In fact, if you're a landlord and you're in Greece and you rented out your office space or your apartment and you were going to get euros in rent, I'm sure the law is going to change that contract and say, well, you're not getting euros anymore. You're going to get drachma. So, But that's that's going to be a huge cut in your rent. But meanwhile, if you have to buy supplies, raw materials, the cost of that is going to go up. Because if you're importing something that's in euros, they're they're not going to take drachma. They're still going to want euros or whatever currency. So there is going to be a huge collapse in the standard of living of the people in Greece because their new currency is not going to buy nearly what the euro was able to buy. And even though maybe the Greek government will not have to cut their pensions in that whatever number of drachma their new pensions are going to be paid in or their new salaries are going to be paid in, they'll still get that quantity of drachma. They're just not going to be able to buy very much with it. And I think the reduction in the purchasing power of the typical Greek government employee or retiree as a result of leaving the Eurozone and rejecting austerity I think they're going to see a bigger reduction in the buying power of what they have than what they would have been subject to had they stayed in the Eurozone and accepted the austerity that they voted against. Because there is no way out of this. There needs to be more substantive reforms that nobody in Greece wants to make. But the irony is, the more loans that seem to be extended from the Europeans up to now, there's less incentive to actually institute any of these reforms because they can borrow money to kick the can down the road. And that's what's do- that has been happening. But now Europe, Germany is saying, look, we're not kicking this can down the road. Either we deal with it or this game is over. And I think that is what is upsetting the markets to realize that that the game is going over. They want to extend and pretend, right? Everybody wants more bailouts uh, for Greece so that no one has to deal with the problem of unpayable Greek debt and all the other short-term pain that's necessary for the long-term gain. But everybody is talking about how bad this is for the euro. And the euro has gone down somewhat over the last couple days, but not very much. I mean, we're still at 110. I mean, we've been lower over the course of the last couple days, but we settled today at around 110 dollar euro. We're still well above the lows that the euro set in march of this year we were down below 105 and in fact the euro is actually stronger against a number of currencies on the week the australian dollar actually moved down to a seven year low i think in the last several days so the euro has actually gained value against that currency i mean the dollar's gained value against it as well in fact it's gained a little more value but the euro has not done that badly given all of the press that's out there about how negative this is for the euro, at least the value of the euro, not like it's negative for Europe, because the news there is that it's a good thing. In fact, it's so funny. I read these stories about how Switzerland is worried or Norway or the UK is worried that their currency is going to go up against the euro because of what's happening and how problematic it's going to be for them, as if this is great for Europe. That their currency is going down. I mean, you'll see articles written about how this is a good thing because if Greek leaves and the euro goes down, Germany benefits from the weak euro. Look, if Germany benefited from a weak euro, they'd want the Greeks to stay a part of it. Greece weakens the euro. It is the weakest link in that chain. How is it that removing the weakest link from a chain somehow makes the chain even weaker? By what logic is that true? I mean, if you take away the weakest link in the chain, then the remaining links obviously form a stronger chain. And that is precisely what happens to the euro if Greece is gone. And I've said this before, that people are afraid about contagion in the short run, that Greece is going to leave and then everybody else is going to leave. They're not going to want to because things are going to go from bad to worse in Greece. It's not like... Portugal or Spain are going to take a look at the newsreels and say, ah, that's what we want. We want that kind of chaos. We want that kind of runaway inflation. I think, if anything, the example of how bad it's going to get in Greece might result in these other countries shaping up, making some reforms. Now, ultimately, getting kicked out of the Eurozone could be the best thing that happens to Greece in the long run because now they're going to be forced to institute reforms because. They're going to have to do it themselves. You see, there was a lot of objection. If you're a Greece and you think that Germany is forcing you to cut government spending, you're objecting to that, right? You don't want to be disciplined from foreigners. And it's very easy for politicians to scapegoat people that can't vote. But once Greece leaves the Eurozone and all hell breaks loose and we have runaway inflation and you get shortages and long lines and who knows, price controls or whatever else they're going to institute and things are falling apart, who are they going to blame? They can only blame their own leaders themselves. And if they're forced to impose the austerity from within as far as big cuts in government spending, which is what they need to do. They need to reduce government payrolls. They need to invigorate a free market economy. I mean, Greece has a lot of potential. They have a lot of natural resources that they could develop. There's a lot of assets that could be and should be privatized that the free market would be able to develop. You know, it's interesting that they have one really, really good industry in Greece, and that's shipping. And the secret to the success of the Greek shipping industry is that it's exempt from tax. So the government can't tax it, so therefore they haven't destroyed it. It's a thriving industry. They need to expand that to include the rest of Greece the answer isn't going to be more taxes. The answer is going to be fewer taxes and less government spending. Therefore, you don't need the taxes. Let the private sector grow the Greece economy. Don't let the government stifle it, which is what's been happening. And more and more loans simply extends the problem. But I do believe that the immediate impact of Greece leaving the eurozone will be a big negative for Greece. It's not going to be like sunshine and lollipops. Everybody is out there in the streets celebrating as if they could just give the finger to Europe and everything is gonna be great. Like Europe is the, is the sole source of Greek pop problems. I mean, they're certainly part of the problem, but a lot of the responsibility lies with the Greek people and with their own government. This is not simply the fault of the lenders. They borrowed the money, there was no gun to their head. So a lot of these problems are homegrown and and just voting no is not going to, to solve them. But the bigger point is this is going to be a positive for Europe. And it is a positive for the euro, despite the fact that it is not being viewed that way. But to me, the fact that the euro hasn't really gone down very much. And in fact, other currencies have gone down more on this flight to the dollar. The flight to the dollar has impacted other currencies more than the euro. It's hurt gold Gold was down, I think, 15 bucks today. Gold is not quite near its lows of the calendar year, but it's getting close. I mean, gold is probably within, I don't know, 10 bucks or so it's, it, of the lows for the year. It came, in fact, intraday today, I think it came pretty close. In fact, it made it, maybe even touched those lows. And that's the low that gold set in, in March. And it set a similar low in November of last year. And so if it this might be the third time since November that we've visited this particular area. But the reason that gold is not benefiting from all of the fear related to Europe, and it's not just Europe, too. You have stock markets dropping sharply in Asia. But, of course, what people overlook is how rapidly those markets rose In the weeks preceding the drop, in fact, most of these markets, the Chinese market, the Hong Kong market, they're still positive on the year. They've come down a lot more than the U.S. market has in the last few weeks, but the U.S. market is negative on the year. These markets are still positive on the year despite their dramatic declines because they followed incredible rises. And anything that rises a lot in a short period of time is susceptible to a rapid decline in a short period of time. But it's spooking the markets. But the fear money is not going into gold. It is going into the dollar but why why is everybody buying the dollar because it's perceived as being the safe haven because everybody is still following the narrative the false narrative that the u.s economy has recovered that we're an island of prosperity in a sea of weakness and that the fed is going to be raising interest rates and therefore be the only central bank that is raising interest rates when that's not going to be true we keep getting more and more economic data That shows how weak the U.S. economy is, including more weak data this week. Yesterday, we got the service sector PMI for June, which actually contracted more than they were looking for from the prior month May. It dropped from 56.8 in May to 54.8, a two-point drop in June. It's the lowest level since January. And if you recall, January was cold and there was a lot of snow. And now we're all the way back down to that level and it is June. So back in, in January, they were blaming the weak PMI on the bad weather. Well, what is the excuse in June? It's a beautiful weather uh, in June, and the PMI is just as low. So what's the excuse? The economic data continues to come out weak, and nobody is accepting it. Now, I, I am hearing more and more people now starting to say, well, maybe we won't get a rate hike in, in September. Maybe it'll do it in December. But it's still that they're going to do it. Even if people are pushing back their expectations for when they think the Fed is going to raise rates, they're still unanimous in their belief that it is going to raise rates. It's a fait accompli that they are going to do it. It's only a question of when. And therefore, everybody still wants to buy the dollar because rates are going to be going up. But I mean, eventually rates are going to go up everywhere, right? So, I mean, you can't just say, well, we're going to buy the dollar because sometime in the future rates are going to go up because that's also going to be true for every other country. Meanwhile, even though the Fed is at zero, Almost all these other currencies are well above zero. Like I mentioned, the Aussie dollar hitting a seven-year low. Rates in Australia are much higher than they are in the United States. Now, the economic data has come in a little softer recently in Australia, and that's what's hurt the currency, because now they're thinking, well, the Australian government's going to cut rates. But the reality is, even though the data is softer in Australia... It's still stronger than it is here. If you look at how bad our data is, maybe with the exception of the housing market, but our housing bubble is air is going to come out of that. But if you look at a lot of the other data, our economy is weaker. Our economy is weaker than a lot of these currencies where their interest rates are currently higher than ours, yet their currencies are going down based on this false belief. But I think that's still driving the narrative. And so as long as people are still buying the dollar based on this expectation then the safe haven money is going to the dollar rather than gold. So I had a client ask me today, why are people not worried? With all the stuff that's going down, why are they not worried? And he was thinking they weren't worried because they weren't buying gold. And I told him, I said, they are worried. They're buying the dollar. What has to happen is they have to start to worry about the dollar. See, as long as they think the dollar is sound and going to keep on going up, Well, that's going to be competition for gold. And that's going to keep the bears in control of the gold market because the dollar looks like it's a more compelling alternative. But when are the people who are selling their Aussie dollars or their euros, if that's what they're selling and buying dollars, when are they going to realize that they jumped out of the frying pan into the fire? When are they going to fear what they trust? They're buying the dollar because they're afraid of another fiat currency, yet they're buying the granddaddy of the fiat currencies. I mean, we've got the problems that other currencies have in spades. Again, I mentioned this on an earlier podcast, but you look at Puerto Rico and Puerto Rico comes out and says it's mathematically impossible to pay our debts, yet they owe less than the United States on a per capita basis. But why is Puerto Rico having problems with its debt? because their creditors also understand the mathematics and interest rates have risen. It is more expensive for Puerto Rico to borrow and they cannot afford their debt because of the higher cost of servicing it. If interest rates in Puerto Rico were one or two percent, be no problem. The debt wouldn't be a problem. Of course, it would be. It's just that Nobody would care because they could still make the payments. That is the same situation that the United States is in. The only reason that we don't have to admit that we can't afford to pay is because our creditors are still too dumb to recognize that and they're willing to loan us money at 1% or they're willing to let the Fed buy up all the treasuries to keep rates at 1% without collapsing the dollar. Because the Fed, in order to keep interest rates at levels that we can afford, has to keep printing money. But there has to be a bid out there. Somebody has to be willing to buy all those dollars that the Federal Reserve is creating. And we use all those dollars to, to buy products from abroad. Our trade deficit came out today about $41 billion for the month in line with expectations. But that's a lot of red ink. I talked to another client today about the dollar. He was like, well, you know, I live in the United States, so the exchange rate doesn't matter. And I said, OK, well, try try living in the United States for a month and only buy products that are made in the United States. I mean, even though you spend your money here, the things that you buy are not made here. They're made someplace else. And so the value of the dollar is extremely important. The exchange rate of the dollar. So you can't think, oh, I live in the United States, so it doesn't matter what happens to the dollar because the prices are in dollars. Now the prices are going to go up. Starbucks just raised their their uh, prices by 20 cents for a cup of coffee. And I remember listening I was watching a news report and they said, well, it's not just about the coffee beans. They went about all the other costs that are going up and they have to pass them on. But there's all these costs that are going to be rising. Oh, by the way, you know I also read an article, and you should see this one about about insurance rates that are about to skyrocket in 2016, which is just around the corner, by as much as another 20 percent, as if the rates weren't already so high. But more of these Obamacare things are kicking in and the insurance companies are realizing now that it's costing them a lot more than they originally thought it was going to cost to provide these insurance plans. And so now they've got to raise their premiums. So some sticker shock is coming in health insurance as well as everything else. But if the dollar breaks, all these prices have to go up. But for now, we're we're being spared that because everybody is buying the dollar because they are worried about Europe. They're worried about what's happening in Greece, or now they're worried about the volatility in Asian markets. And as the dollar goes up, this is what's putting pressure on a lot of these other markets. It becomes a self-perpetuating cycle where the money gets sucked into the dollar. It's got to come out of someplace else. If money is moving into U.S. dollars and U.S. debt instruments, it's moving out of some other place, and there's going to be a, a result of that. There's a there's a loss there and it's going to manifest itself in those markets where capital is being sucked out of in order to move into U.S. dollars, U.S. treasuries or whatever type of dollar debt instruments dollar buyers are buying. But meanwhile, the underlying strength or lack thereof, but the foundation of the U.S. economy continues to erode away while people are paying attention to other things. People are looking at the sideshow, In in Europe or Asia, and they are not focused on the main event, which should be the main event in the center ring in the United States. But at some point, their attention is going to be diverted back. And at some point, it's not going to be, oh, the Fed is going to raise rates eventually. They're going to start thinking about QE4 because that is going to have to happen. If we don't get rate hikes in 2015, and 2016 comes and it's an election year. They're not going to be raising rates and the economy is going to be weak and they're going to be looking to stimulate it. And I do think that the unemployment numbers and I did my podcast on Friday and went over how bad the jobs numbers were, the big downward revisions to prior months and the big collapse in the labor force participation rate. But I do believe that that low unemployment number is going to start to turn north based on all the other data and you know there's all these other reports like the PMI if you they a lot of these reports have labor components embedded within them and they've all been weak so the only supposedly strong data that we've got on labor on the job market has been the non-farm payroll numbers, which they've been revising down recently. But I think those numbers are going to turn around also. And then you're going to start to see a backup in the official unemployment rate. Meanwhile, we still have the decline in labor force participation. We still have flat real wages. The Fed is going to come back with more QE, and that is going to be a game changer. Meanwhile, All of the things that are happening around the world are fundamentally bullish for gold. Even though the price of gold is not rising to reflect that, the bullish case for gold beneath the surface continues to strengthen. And at some point, the speculative forces that are restraining gold, the money that is moving into the dollar, because the the safe haven money still regards the dollar as a safe haven, even though I believe it's riskier than most of the currencies that are under pressure today, But at some point, they won't be able to contain. It's like a cork that's being held underwater. And eventually, you know, you take your hand off and the pressure is there and it's going to pop up. And the same thing is going to happen to gold. And I think a lot of people, too, are still speculators, maybe thrown in the towel. They they bought some gold and they thought, oh, gold is going to rally if the situation in Greece blows up. And now it blows up and gold doesn't rally and now they want to get out. And now the weak hands get out again and they sell off. But I think we're at these levels where you get the buyers, where you get the real long-term buyers who aren't just buying gold for a trade. They're buying gold because they want to own it. They're buying gold because they really understand that the dollar is at risk, this fiat system is at risk, and they need to buy real gold. You need to have something to back up your currency other than just faith. Because that's all that stands behind the U.S. dollar is faith. It's confidence. Confidence in what? Faith in what? An economic system that doesn't work? Look, at one point, people had faith in Greece. People had faith in Puerto Rican government bonds. People had faith in a lot of things. People had faith in subprime mortgages. And then they didn't. So faith is something that can be lost very quickly. See, when the dollar was backed by gold, it wasn't a question of faith or confidence. We had real value backing up our money. We didn't have to worry about people losing confidence in in a piece of paper. But that's all we've got. That's all that stands between us and complete economic collapse is the faith people have in a worthless piece of paper.